Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. My name is Todd Mitten, and I am seated with... Chris Kirk. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, this is fun, Todd. These are these are my, some of my favorite things to do. Yeah, it's always nice to get back together and do another podcast. And uh, I thought today, uh, you know, we've kind of talked off and on about doing a podcast on physiological events, aviation physiological events. I should clarify that. <laughs> uh and I know you have some some good stories, and probably from your military flying days, as well as uh, maybe uh, other flying. And and I can talk a little bit about uh, some opportunities I had in the military in terms of uh, of aviation physiological training. So what do you want, what do you think about that? Should we cover that today? Yeah, I, and it, you know the thing is is that a lot of the a lot of our listeners, a lot of our customers, come from a purely uh, civilian background. And, uh, and, and there's a, frankly, there's a lot of guys in the, in the upper echelons of aviation have been around for a long time that have never had the opportunity to experience uh, some of the training that you and I have. And I, I consider myself very blessed to have been able to take advantage of that and have to have been selected to go do that. But, you know, when it comes to um, learning about things that happen to your body and uh, sensations that you're going to experience, uh, you know, we've seen a lot there. Uh, both in training and then in the real world. And I, I think a lot of the civilian guys see it in the real world, but sometimes they don't necessarily know yeah. what's going on or, you know, why that's happening or, or moreover to even be prepared for the possibility of it happening. You know, I remember as a 16 uh, year old student pilot reading, you know, then you just could read the FAA produced material and reading about, uh, whether it's the liens or things of that nature, and, yeah. and and then sort of relearning it as a flight instructor candidate trying to get my uh, CFI in the mid-1980s, and I was, uh, uh, but I, you're exactly right, as a civilian at that time, I didn't have any idea what some of this, uh, how to really experience it or get, get good training in it. Thank you for the military, <laughs> thank you to the yeah. military, because... Uh, that's, I think, where a lot of this particular discussion will lean to. Uh, no, no, no pun intended. No pun intended, golly. <laughs> that was cheesy. <laughs> so uh, I think that, uh, yeah, we we both started off, uh, I guarantee you, you went to pilot training, I went to navigator training, and the very first block of pilot training when you got there was called, do you remember? Oh, aerospace physiology. physiology. Okay. Yep. Aerospace yep. physiology. So I, I know that we both we both attended that, yep. and and that's still true today from our our inside source who is currently a pilot training. Uh, that. Uh, so you remember some of the things that they did to you? I'm mean, yes. not gonna say with you. They did them to you. Yeah. What, did, what did they do to you? Uh, well, we we can talk about uh, what do they call the. The Blarney chair or something when it spins. The one that spins. Yeah. So what? What do you? What was the purpose of that? But yeah, I, that was that was one of those somatographic illusions that affect both your eyes and your ear. And I, you know, I'm I'm trying to remember. I remember you. We would spin on the chair, and then you would try to focus on something, and you yes. couldn't. Yes. You couldn't focus until uh, your vestibular system settled down, 
And but your eyes would, is that the one where your eyes would start twitching? To twitch, yeah, I think that was it, yes. Uh, and of course, that the thought there was, especially in, in military airplanes, if you're doing like uh, very fast aileron rolls or if you get into a spin or uh, anything like that. The uh, One of the highlights of aerospace physiology was the opportunity to go to the altitude chamber. Yeah. And, and I know, man, that's something that I think every, every, pilot if there's any way you can find a way to get to an altitude chamber because they're the faa has i know they offer things i don't know how you get into it or whatever but going to the altitude chamber let's talk about the altitude chamber for a little bit what you know i don't know if they still do it or not but uh, through the faa they I, I do remember in the past seeing at some of the uh, the military installations the faa well, they would contract with them away but they would hold those what you're talking about right uh, maybe that's something to look at but so there are a uh, limited number of places around the country where uh, where the Air Force has, uh, and I can't speak to the Navy, I don't know what they have, but the Air Force has uh, uh, the, uh, the altitude chamber. And if for some reason you're not familiar with what, that, what we're talking about, an altitude chamber allows them to simulate the atmospheric pressure at higher altitudes and then give the, the students who are in the chamber the opportunity to see what their hypoxia symptoms are by removing their oxygen mask and simulating to be at, say, 25,000 right. feet. They like to use a mid-altitude like that because if you're up a lot higher, you know, you're going to be so quickly uh, hypoxic, you won't even get to recognize right. your symptoms. But at 25,000 feet, you're going to last 45 seconds or a minute, maybe, maybe even longer, and it'll give you time to... Uh, See what your what symptoms. Do you remember some of your symptoms uh, of hypoxia? You know, your your vision starts narrowing. Uh, you get a little shortness of breath. It's it's very insidious. It is. Um, in fact, uh, I think the terms they used to use was it's it's an insidious onset. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, I also I felt tingling in my fingers. Right? I remember that, and just kind of general confusion. Uh, and more course, so than normal. No, yeah. <laughs> no, those are specific confusions. <laughs> this was general confusion. Uh, but the purpose, of course, is is that you would recognize the quote insidious onset of of hypoxia and get your oxygen mask on before you lost uh, uh, or passed out. Right. Uh, you recall the Payne Stewart. Yeah, uh, accident yep. Learjet. They left Florida and and somehow all end up hypoxic and eventually it ran out of fuel up in uh, North or South Dakota. I think North Dakota and crashed, tragically killing uh, all right. on board. Uh, well, so, you know, it's uh, one of the things that I got out of that. And it wasn't even of a twenty-five. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think this was done like in the low to mid teens, and they would put a they'd give you a color chart. Yeah. Yep. And they would slowly bring that altitude in the chamber up you wouldn't have your oxygen mask on and you would look at that color chart and you were you would swear that you're not seeing anything different mm -hmm. on the way up and then they bring that chamber down pretty quickly and introduce all that oxygen back into your system and that color chart just bang i mean yeah, the colors brilliant. were just brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that, you know, is that a lot of GA pilots who like to fly, you know, 10, 11, 12,000 feet, maybe even a little higher without their oxygen, you're, you're losing a lot of your sensation that you don't realize. You know, the other day, uh, where were we going? Oh, we were going down to see a customer. I had my daughter with me. And uh, 
I thought, you know, we were at 10, and I thought just to get above a little bit of the clouds there, uh, we'll go up to 11. Mm -hmm. You know, that 1,000 feet made such a difference. I started feeling the effects almost immediately. Yeah. And as soon as I did, uh, you were IFR, I just talked to ATC. I said, we need to go back down to 10. Uh, actually, I think we went back down to 9. Just in, in it, that was invaluable, an invaluable reminder to me that it doesn't take much to uh, and start it's, And it's even this. worse at night. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, to, to our listeners, I think that's a, a great reminder that, uh, you know, you, don't, you just don't want to mess around with this. It's easier to carry some oxygen or something if you want to fly at those 12,000-foot-ish altitudes. Yeah. But do you remember in the altitude, they probably, I don't know if they did this in NAV training or not, but you, you would take the, uh, they'd have a guinea pig, and the guinea pig wouldn't have his oxygen mask on, and they'd let some guy pass out, literally pass out. <laughs> I don't even know if they still do this anymore. <laughs> you know, he'd let him pass out, and then we'd go over there, and we'd take his oxygen mask, and we would, you know, and his uniform, we'd rearrange all of his patches, and, you know, and tie his hands together, and all that kind of stuff, and then they bring oxygen back, and the guy's like, <laughs> figure out what was going on. Well, I think the, the great point of that, too, is the moment the oxygen's reintroduced, you're good. You know, it's, it's amazing how quick you recover. Yeah. There's a great YouTube video, uh, and I suppose you could look it up by just looking up four of spades, oxygen or something, and, and the guy, uh, they're videotaping a student who is, he keeps saying, four of spades, he's holding their ass, what card do you have, lieutenant or whatever in it? Four spades, four spades, he just says it over and over. It's yeah. The confusion, there usually would try to be one guy who's tried to be a hero. And, oh, I'm fine, and, and he'd be the one that... Yeah, that there was always the macho guy yeah. that thought he, for some reason his his uh, system was going to be immune to that kind of stuff. You know, the thing was, too, we didn't get to... We had the oxygen uh, chamber every, every five years, yeah. uh, so I've been through it, I don't know, five, six times in right. my career, so... And how about the rapid uh, decompressions? Yeah, yeah, they did that. Uh, uh, at least, at least way back, I remember doing that. But you know, that's that's pretty invaluable too to see how quickly what, what your time of useful consciousness is. You know, if you're flying at thirty thousand feet or thirty-five, what is it, eighteen seconds maybe? Yeah, you've got. Yeah, you know, uh, got to get the oxygen, the quick dawn oxygen mask on right away if you're at a high yeah. altitude like that. But, but uh, you know, so many you, you may not. Think that matters as a as a general aviation pilot, but it uh, certainly, like we talked about, operating in those low to mid altitudes, uh, you'd have to be aware of the insidious onset. Of, uh, so that's that's kind of. A, I don't think even passengers pay enough attention to that. You know, no. you'll sit in the back of an airplane. Oh well, if you remember a couple of years back when the Southwest uh, they had their incident with the uh, the engine uh, and and it penetrated the fuselage. Sure. Yeah. You know, and some of these, uh, you know, excuse my term, but just frankly, ding-dong passengers that are sitting in the back. They're more concerned about their time on YouTube or on social media. And they're back there talking, you know, like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, you know, wh yeah. whatever. But, yeah. but they, but they get, where do they have their oxygen mask on? They got it only on nose. their mouth, but not on their nose. <laughs> I know. I see those pictures like, oh, oh well, pay attention. Please. Yeah. Please. It's unlikely, but it could happen. Uh, so what other physiological incidents uh, can we talk about that are, uh, uh, you know, I do think, I think we've all at times in an airplane had a little bit of a, just, a, I don't know about even the leans, I, just a, a minor bit of, do you ever have a moment where you had a little bit of dizziness or yeah. something, you know? And, 
You get that. Maybe you bend over and pick something up, and that's a good one. Yeah, you get that acceleration, deceleration. Yeah. So when the, oh, I hate that when your ears are still trying to adjust to the the momentum changes there, and you know you think you're you're uh, uh, accelerating really fast, and you stop that acceleration, but you're you know you, you still feel like the airplane is going up. Um, you know, you experience the same thing on a roller coaster, for that matter. Right. Right. Uh, so a lot. You know, one of them is, uh, and I had this the other day too, uh, is you know you get like that. Uh, a sloping cloud deck mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're over that sloping cloud deck long enough where you start thinking that is the horizon line and you it's very subtle it doesn't take you, much it throws you off uh and and it can last it's it, boy you i mean you you know i know we all say trust trust your instruments and that's what you have to do uh, of course then separately if you ever have an instrument problem and everything else is okay. You better right. cover up that attitude indicator because right. that'll also jack with you. Well, that's okay. Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, it's probably that's not a quick story, but uh, so you brought up the the attitude or the instrument problem. So uh, years ago, I was a T thirty eight instructor, and uh, we were doing a night formation sortie. Uh, had a ceiling, uh, and it was I think probably thousand feet thick. It was clear skies above. Um, I was flying with a student who was, he was a decent student, um, and, but not a, not a real strong student at the same time. And night formation in the T-38 was always a challenge. Yeah, I can't, anyway, that would have been uh, hard. And, and in the weather, in the clouds, it was just, you know, it's just not my favorite thing. Um, felt pretty, uh, pretty good about it when you got it done. So anyway, we would go out, this was down at Vance Air Force Base. And w- w- the way it worked at night is you, you take off, you'd go out and you'd do some, uh, just some air works. You do some steep turns, and uh, uh, you, with with your uh, wingman on your wing, mm-hmm. and you know you'd get up and and just give them the sensation of what it's like to fly on another wing uh, at night, close proximity, and you know we'd play with the burners a little bit so the students could see you know the cool effects of uh, the the afterburners going, and we would fly up. I think it was a DME arc around the uh, the tack end there in, mm-hmm. in Enid. And then you'd come back and you'd recover. And, and if the weather was good, you'd split up and maybe do a couple of patterns. But the, the weather this night wasn't good enough for that. So we came back, and uh, I still remember the guy. I was I was on the wing with my student. You, you took off one way and landed another. So I had, uh, I think we led on the way out, and then we were on the wing on the way back. And Jerry Kirshner... I still remember Jerry. I wonder what he's doing these days. Jerry was uh, was the IP in the uh, other 38. We're both in the back seats. Our students are up front. And so we were going to come back and do a, uh, a wing approach. And we're coming in to 3-5. Gosh, sometimes, some of this I still remember like it was yesterday. We're coming in to, uh, to runway 3-5 there at Advance in Enid. And it's like a thousand overcast. About a thousand overcast, and that and that overcast deck. I don't even think it was a thousand feet thick, because let me set the stage here. It was a moonless night. Yeah. Stars were brilliant. It was winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars were brilliant, and the cloud deck was thin enough that you could see uh, light spots. On the cloud deck. Sure. Yeah, I know. From the uh, yeah, from and, the, and it was low enough. Yeah. So yeah. you see from you know you'd see where the cities were, the towns yeah. were, be just a, a little bit of a light spot. And so, um, not unlike 
being underneath that cloud deck, you know, like if you're standing out at the airport uh, or, or at home, you know, on, a, on an overcast night, and you look up and you can see kind of where the towns are yeah, because the there's yep. the glow on the clouds. Yeah, exactly. So, except you're on the opposite side. So anyway, we come down and we uh, we're in a left turn to intercept the localizer, and about that time we go into the tops of the clouds, and uh, so all of a sudden, you know, it happened pretty quick. Started experiencing the leans and uh, the. Um, at this point, I, if I recall correctly, I was the one flying the airplane. I, I was, you know, we had passed the point. In fact, this was, I don't even think it was part of the student thing. It was to fly in the wing on the weather like this. So I'm flying on the wing. We're in this, this left-hand turn, and I start getting the leans. But I'm just, you know, I'm just paying attention to the guy next to us. And so I start getting that. And then, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can find this online or not, but it was in our physiological books. There was uh, uh, a sensation called giant hand. Yes. Do you remember giant hand? Yes, yes. you remember what it does? It makes you, it feels like you're being pulled by the giant hand, right? Yeah, and like there's a hand like, on your like, hand almost. Yeah. Pulling you. Anyway, and yeah. And so uh, all of a sudden I felt like I could not move the stick on that airplane like there oh, was something really? else controlling the stick on that airplane oh so uh immediately i i broke out of that formation because i i was like i can't yeah. i can't do this so we broke out uh, i rolled wings level now keep in mind i've been looking at lead most of the time you know i'd, I'd cross check my attitude indicator just real quick occasionally but most of my concentration is on lead yeah so i broke i broke out uh, I rolled wings level on our attitude indicator. Immediately, I noticed something didn't seem quite right. We pitched up. I don't know how many degrees it was. It was probably no more than 20 degrees nose high. And we came blitzing out of the top of those clouds. So now I can see, right? But my sensation was, and I had no idea what this was until I looked it up a little bit ago. I called it upside-down-itis. But my <laughs> sensation was, was that the stars were the lights on the ground. Oh, yes. And those spots... A- Yes. Those spots on the clouds were those cities reflecting. Yes. And so I felt like I was upside down. I've since found out it's called an aversion uh, yeah. uh, sens- sensation. But oh so the whole time I'm sitting there, Todd, and I'm telling myself, literally, keep on the attitude indicator, keep on the attitude indicator, keep on the attitude indicator. You know, And it was, it was correct with what the standby was showing. And then, uh, so I did... And then almost like like clap the hands, boom, I was okay. Oh really? I mean, it just all went away. Once you know, once my. <laughs> so what did Jerry Kirshner say when you? Hey, where'd you go, Chris? <laughs> well, come to find out, they were having an attitude indicator problem. They were uh... off by when they were in that bank. They were showing thirty degrees, which is a standard rate turn in the thirty-eight. Sure. They were doing nearly sixty degrees of bank. Oh no wonder you! Oh my gosh! So and I, you know, and I didn't catch that as I'm just double. You know, I'm kind of and now your student didn't say, "Hey, we're kind of yeah. steep here." No, he never said anything. Did he? Did you ever? And you didn't have to tell him you recovered quickly enough, apparently, that you didn't have to tell him to take the airplane. No, uh, no, no. I yeah, he he was uh, for whatever reason at the time. Um, you know, I chose to keep flying it, and uh, and he was kind of. Uh, students in the T-38 had a, somewhat of a tendency to get a little bit behind the eight ball. The plane moved so yeah, fast. Yeah, I don't doubt it. So, um, so we ended up landing, and uh, and then Jerry Kirshner tells me about you know all this, and then I start telling him about you know what happened out there. But you know, it, it, I had I had the leans, I had the giant hand, I had that inversion thing all on one. 
probably within a matter of two or three minutes, yeah. if not less. And so, uh, just a really weird. That's a that's a crazy story. And I would imagine now, once things start to go south, that then all anything could come on at that. Point. I mean, maybe that's what led to one thing led to the other. Of course, the fact that it was the perfect scenario for the night, where where you had the cloud deck below you that was lit up and the and the brilliant stars above you, it was a yeah. perfect setup for that particular. Might even been that, what's the what's the one where you are you know like. Part of the problem might have been because we did pitch up mm-hmm. when I pitched over to level attitude. That might have contributed to it too, with that you know the acceleration of my ears feeling like we were still going up, which is why I kept having to tell myself, "No, your level, your level, your level. Don't trust, don't trust what you're feeling at all." Yeah, the, the, anytime, even daylight, the the clouds. I mean, the challenge, and even flying you know bigger airplanes uh, as we do. Uh, sometimes breaking in now the clouds and you're climbing a little bit, it, it kind of throws you because you see this stuff, even though you're looking at your instruments, you know, out of the peripheral vision, you see things happen, and that's when you can start to have those kind of problems. But you were set up in that story pretty bad with the 60-degree bank. That had to be, uh, wow. And I think I think that they were probably only momentarily at that bank. Yeah. You know, but, so, but the whole time they were in the clouds, they, they figured out that, uh, right at the worst time is when their attitude system started failing. Yeah, that's a that's really an uh, eye-opening story. No pun intended. I mean, that really is. I mean, that's uh, that is scary. Any other uh, illusions or or other stories that uh, you have that along these lines? You know, most of them are just going to be like uh, you know things that you experience on a daily basis. Just just a lot of the leans and a lot of things like that. Um, uh, so much of it for us came in some of those formation scenarios when you had no horizon that you could see, even at day VMC, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing 90 degree um, uh, turns, essentially. Um, Trying to think what the Mooney Rose, we called it, we were just out in the, you know, just doing real gentle turns, but they were still 90 degrees of bank and you'd lose perspective, especially when you're on the downside yeah. looking up. Yeah. And, and you'd, you'd really just start feeling those things. We just beat into our students' heads, you know, beat into our heads. you got to trust your instruments. Do not go off the seat of the pants. You know, if you've never flown formation, it is it is a challenging, challenging activity. And I, uh, you know, as a, as a navigator in my military career, we and in flying big airplanes, C-130s, uh, you know, we have a 2,000-foot separation between airplanes, which, so it's it's. It's definitely formation, but it's not like what you're talking right. about, wingtip stuff and the T-38. I have since done some of that with a, a Bonanza group uh, called the Beach Nuts and done some formation flying. And I've just come to the realization that, man, I have a lot of respect for guys that did it like yourself. That all, I mean, it is not easy. And, and to our listeners, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a relatively low-time private pilot. If There may be... You know, some Mooney guys do it, Bonanza guys do it, fly formation. and But when you're flying formation, you're looking across the cockpit, things of that nature, that's a setup for getting in into a bit of a of illusion. I did have it happen, you know, a little bit, a couple, because when you're turning, like you're talking about, and your job as a wingman is to watch lead, and that's what your job is. I mean, that is it. Yeah. That's number one, two, and three. You really have to... Uh, 
you can't get into situations where it messes with your inner ear or whatever and throws you off a bit. So formation flying is, is really where um, that can happen. And if you're, you know, if you're by yourself and you're, you're in the weather uh, and you experience this, uh, if you have a second attitude source, always double check that. But also, if you know, uh, if you have the ability to pop an autopilot on, yes. that, that's what that autopilot's for. Put that thing on, get yourself recaged, and uh, and then if you like hand flying, click it back off afterwards. But but utilize those tools that you've got. But again, I'd encourage you, uh, both Todd and I would, if you if you have the ability to, to take some of these classes and you know with instructors. I'm I'm not a big online class fan because you just you don't get a lot of the uh, uh, the corporate knowledge from actually listening to somebody go through their stories and asking them those in-person questions. And in an altitude chamber, you can never do. Um, you know, online, you've got to be there to yeah. experience that. But take advantage of that. And, they, and, and they'll offer other, uh, there are, so, there is a lot of, of physiological, uh, I don't want to say incidents, but angles, I guess that uh, whether it's altitude chamber or this stuff we're talking about, that's, uh, uh, getting your, losing your balance, so to speak. I mean, there, and there's others, you know, vision things that are just like night vision, stuff like that. There's a lot of interesting physiological issues in aviation. So uh, hopefully... How about the night approach into a uh, runway that's got nothing around yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And that's a common general aviation thing yeah. right there. That really is something that uh, I think we all could uh, potentially run into as... as pilots uh no matter what kind of aircraft you're flying as long as you're flying at night you know that's a great point you know the uh just as a sidebar to that um so years ago when i proposed to my wife it was down at cedar key in florida yeah i've been there and so it's got like what a 2200 foot runway yep. water at one end. but if, if i if you remember there's a sign and this the sign mentioned something about checking your attitude source because you're taking off over that dark water and i guess there have been a number of guys that pfft, Right into the water because it's it's an instrument takeoff. It really is. It could be VFR, but you have nothing out there to work with. Yes, yeah, no horizon, nothing. It just run blends in together, water to sky. Uh, so yeah, that's a good point. There's even more. You know, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, our listeners have have found this at least a bit thought provoking, if not interesting. You know, to things they should consider. Uh, I'm sure that some unexplained accidents have have been ultimately or even guys that have lost control of an aircraft at altitude and, and ultimately you know the airplane broke apart due to extreme maneuvering or mm -hmm. something but in reality it started probably with with a um, a guy getting out of not trusting his instruments or whatever it may have been you know so uh and i know those accidents do a few of them happen every year so uh, hopefully you found this topic to be interesting, and, and if you want to learn more about it, I'm sure Chris would, would talk to you, or I certainly would, but uh, you can call us uh, at Wild Blue Aircraft Sales, 888-773-4249, or just dial direct, 816-479-2723, planes at Fly Wild Blue, uh, our website, flywildblue.com. So uh, we'd love to talk to you about flying or airplanes it's what we like to do so 
Again, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. We appreciate your listenership and look forward to talking to you in the uh, coming weeks on future podcasts. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.